This is The Guardian. Hey, it's Mike. Today we bring you the first of four parts of an incredible story about a woman who escaped modern slavery right here in the UK. The Guardian's award-winning human rights journalist Annie Kelly reports. And a warning before we start, this series includes references to suicidal thoughts and descriptions of sexual exploitation and violence. So please take care when listening. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. On the sixth floor of a posh, new-build block of flats in Sunbury-on-Thames, Martin, a detective at Surrey Police, is silently edging down a carpeted corridor. His team follow behind him, pressed against the wall, towards a closed apartment door. It's just after lunchtime on a Friday in September 2019. They've received a tip-off from a sex buyer that the flat is a brothel and that something isn't right. There could be a woman inside who needs help. Martin and his team are wearing protective stab vests. They don't know what they're going to find on the other side of the door. An undercover officer, pretending to be a customer, knocks on the door. You can open up, but come on, I haven't got long. Sort of comments like that. They wait. Hello? Okay. They can hear a woman's voice from inside the apartment, but she's not letting them in. Unbeknown to me, at the time, I'm hiding out of sight along the wall. Unfortunately, rather embarrassingly for someone who's the warrants, it was one of the wide-angled spy lenses, as you can still see me. Martin gives the signal, and they smash down the door. Please! Inside, the flat is spotlessly clean, but there's nothing there. No pictures on the wall, no coats by the door, just an empty shell. It was just 100% a purpose-built brothel. As we've gone in, officers are spreading out. I saw movement in the room and I went in there. He sees a woman in one of the bedrooms... Mid-thirties, slim female, blonde hair. She's scrambling to find her phone. So I think she was probably trying to tell someone the police were at the door. When she sees Martin, she panics and launches herself across the room towards the door. And I ended up literally having to restrain this lady who was putting up, really unusually, she was putting up quite a fight to, like, get out. Probably only once before I've had somebody put up that much resistance, so it, it, it stuck out, it was really unusual. I ended up handcuffing her because I, at that point, you don't know, are they wanted for a murder somewhere? Why are they so desperate to get away? Um, that would later come out as to why she was so desperate, but at the time, I don't know that. 
it just it just wasn't right. I knew there was something going on there. I don't know, he's just been crazy. That day? Yeah. Neither Martin or the woman know it yet, but this is a moment that will change the trajectory of both their lives. Together, they will dismantle a complex criminal network, making huge profits from sexual exploitation. A gang linked to over 120 women across the UK. This is the story of how this woman, we're calling her Julia to protect her identity, was taken from one life as a young mother in Ukraine and ended up in a very different kind of existence here in the UK. It's a reality shared by tens of thousands of people who exist in a parallel, shadowy world, seen but not seen all around us, in restaurants, car washes and nail bars, and, like Julia, hidden behind a closed door. But this story is more than this. It's also about acts of extraordinary bravery and the sacrifices people make for those they love. From The Guardian, I'm Annie Kelly. Today in Focus, the woman who took on her traffickers and won. Part one, the trap. Most of the time today, I'll be kind of asking you to tell us what it is that you want to say rather than the other way around. Four years later, Julia comes to meet us at The Guardian offices. She sits down in the studio, and today I'm focus producer Elizabeth Casson starts to test the sound levels. Do I need to sit in close? Uh, just sit comfortably. How would you like to be like that? Yes. <laughs> okay, I'll just move it a bit. With her is Sarah, her support worker from the charity Justice and Care, who has been by her side helping her rebuild her life. Sarah, don't need. No. I'm not talking today. <laughs> Julia's dressed in blue jeans and brown boots. She's got long hair pulled back in a low ponytail. She's warm, funny, a bit nervous. But within a few minutes, you can also tell how tough she is, how determined she is to tell her story so that others don't go through what she did. After 10 years reporting on modern slavery for The Guardian, I know how unusual it is to hear survivors telling their own stories. So when we first learnt that Julia wanted to talk to us and that Martin and Surrey police were willing to open their investigation up to us, it felt rare. That afternoon, we didn't know how long we'd have with Julia or what she'd want to tell us, and I didn't want to ask her to go back and relive anything that would be too painful or traumatising. But it became clear that she wanted to give a full account of what she'd lived through. What unfolded across four hours was an extraordinary insight into the world of illegal work and sex trafficking that she was plunged into when she was brought to the UK. To start, we're going to take you back to the beginning of Julia's story, to a small, rural village in Ukraine, many years before the Russian bombs start falling. I'm from a small village in Ukraine. I can say everyone knows everyone. The village where Julia is born and grows up is quiet. Nothing much happens. In the spring, it's beautiful with birdsong and flowers in the hedgerows. 
And it's also a close community built around the local church where people try to help each other out. Julia's family, like most others in her village, are poor, scratching a living day to day, bartering food and growing what they can on a small patch of land. People just survive. Julia knows she's smart, but also knows this isn't going to be enough. She has no channels into the outside world. Her family don't have a TV. They don't have access to the internet. But she still dreams of escape. What is it that you wanted for yourself? Like, did you have an idea of what you wanted your your future to be? <sighs> Not live in the village. This is for, for sure. At 19, she finally gets her chance to spread her wings. She gets a job as a restaurant chef in the local town. And it isn't long before she catches the eye of one of the customers. We meet one time, we meet second time. And one time I miss my bus. He drive me to home. And he just come in to the garden and say he went married. And that's it. After one month we married. So you got married after one month of meeting him? Yeah. And what was he like? Is this been crazy? Like he been nice, but you you don't know the person after months getting married. Is this been big mistake in my life? No, it's not big mistake because I have daughter and she amazing. But yeah, this has been the other way. This has been big mistake. And and why did you decide to get married? Uh, I don't know how this happened. I like him. And I just think he and his life going to be changed. And it's, I've been stupid. Mm. <laughs> Young, stupid. Everyone's stupid when they're 20. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know nothing about the, nothing about the life. Although they barely know each other, for a short time... They are like any other young married couple trying to start their life together. They move to a small town near Kiev and both find work. Julia in a shop and her husband in a factory. And they move in with his brother to save money. But the honeymoon doesn't last long. We have argument because five o'clock in the morning I wake up to make ready for work and my ex-husband wake up and start drinking with them beer. And he, he said, I'm not feeling well, I'm not going to work today, which he feeling well. We coming to work, we coming to make money, but actually I'm working, he not. It's because he drinking. The time when I been pregnant, uh, my ex-husband have girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I have conversation with her as well. <laughs> <laughs> Soon, her husband is doing more drinking than working, and she finds herself supporting both of them. Julia realises that she and her daughter, we're going to call her Marta, have to leave. I've been, I uh, can say, totally alone, and I learn how to survive. Julia finds herself back where she started, in the village, living at home, but now also a single mother with a baby. 
soon she realises her only option is to join the thousands of other Ukrainians travelling across the border into Poland, getting jobs in vegetable factories, being paid around £1.30 an hour. For the next four years, this is Julia's life, going back and forth to Poland on six-month seasonal worker visas. But every time, the amount she makes is never enough to see her through to her next visa. She starts to borrow money. And next time when they want to open visa, I already don't have money and I have to borrow the money again from the neighbour to open visa and for the tickets. It doesn't matter how hard she works. She's never breaking even. And then, one day, her mum gets sick. And now Julia has medical bills on top of everything else. She gets another short visa to go to Poland, but she can't afford to be stuck at home for another six months when she gets back. Then, when she's at her most desperate, a miracle. A woman from her village says she can help. She says she knows the people which go into different country, like, and she find for me number, and I call these people. And, and when you spoke to them on the telephone, did they tell you what kind of work you would be doing abroad? A hotel. Hotel? Yes. What, like cleaning? Or... Yes. She kisses Marta goodbye and says she'll be back soon. Marta's just a little girl. She's only a few years into primary school. Julia doesn't know it, but the next time she'll see her, she'll be a teenager. When she arrives at the meeting point, there's a car waiting. Two men in the front, two women in the back. And what were these people like? You'd never met them? No. No. When we're sitting in the car, I try to ask some questions. They say, don't worry, do you know how many people come in with me? Everyone happy, everyone have money. I say, but I don't have the money to pay you now. And he said, don't worry, you will work in, you will make money, you will give me back. And my, yeah, I'm happy, why not? <laughs> because I think this is the same like Poland. The driver, they care about you. They ask you when you want to go, what you want to do. And they, if you want to go in home a couple of days, they will let you go in home. You don't need to worry about everything. So that's why you trusted these other yes. people? Because I think it is be the same like uh, like Poland. And he said, OK, I have to go because I have people waiting for me. I have to go. So he's rushing you. Yeah, and he's rushing me. When they set off, one of the men in the front turns round and asks for her passport. Julia hands it over. Every time Julia tries to find out more about where they're going and whether they're nearly there, she's told to relax. It's all taken care of. After hours of driving, they arrive at a hotel near the German border. Julia and the two other women are taken to a room. There's 14 people already sleeping next to each other on the floor, all Ukrainians. It's basically a holding pen. We was just told we're going to be charged 10 euro every night for the hotel. We have to stay in the hotel and wait in when is going to be available car. For two or three days, she sits in the hotel room. Then, one day, a Polish man arrives. He's large and imposing, a bum bag crammed with passports clipped around his waist. He scans the room, his eyes flicking from face to face. Looking at people, looking, looking, and saying, you, you and you, come with us. 
The man returns again and again, but the finger never falls on Julia. Two, three weeks go past, and already she owes over 200 euros for sleeping on the floor next to strangers. One day, a young guy called Anton arrives. He's in his early 20s and is from a town that Julia knows in Ukraine. They spark up a friendship. Julia and Anton are two of the last ones there, and then, finally, it's their turn. And they take us to the lorry. Julia is sent to one lorry, Anton is sent to another. Yeah, and we drive in a couple of days. The two lorries are driving the same route, and the drivers take their stops together. While they smoke, Julia and Anton stay close. Years later, she still remembers his small acts of kindness. When we be in Germany, we go in McDonald's. He got money. <laughs> I didn't have money. And I've been so hungry. He buy for me burger and some drink. I say, how I'll give you back? He said, don't worry. This is what is nice from him. They drive like this for a few days. Her driver had been friendly, but when they cross the border into France, everything changes. He starts screaming me, quickly go here, and he look at me. And I just, I remember, I didn't know what to think. My head was, like, I think it explodes. He just screamed me, say, quiet, like, like, to be quiet, he said to me. And I just been so scared. The driver is screaming into her face and pointing to behind his seat where there are three compartments. One has a fridge, the second is full of food, but the third is empty. He's telling her to get inside. She does what she's told, and he locks her in. I was scared. I didn't know what happened. I didn't know what to think. My heart, I hear my, my heart beat. I don't know how long this is going to be. Is this hours or two? I don't know. I just can't breathe. I remember when I get out, I just been feel very sick, very ill. That sounds terrifying. Yeah, I don't know what happened. After a while, the driver shouts at her to move. She's told to climb to another compartment, above the driver's seat this time, and lie flat. Julia still doesn't understand why she needs to hide. This has never happened before. She doesn't know how long she's locked inside. She is panting with fear and she can't breathe. At some point she thinks she falls asleep, but the next thing she remembers is the sound of the lorry turning off, and then, shortly afterwards, the vehicle is rocking back and forth and she can hear crashing water. She's being taken across the English Channel to the UK. We'll be back after this. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. 
That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Eventually, the lorry starts up again and drives down a ramp and back onto the road. Shortly afterwards, they stop. Then he opened, he said, get out, like, in, uh, in Polish language, get out. After we driving many hours, I don't know how long and where, we stop and some driver coming. Another driver? Yes, uh, he came in like normal car. He was Ukrainian. Did you know where you were? Do you know what country you were in? Uh, yeah, but they talking, I know, is UK. They're taken to a house in London, but only Julia is told to get out of the car. Anton is told to stay. They take him different place. I didn't see him anymore. This has been last time when I see him. I never see him again after that. Julia finds herself in a strange house, in a country she doesn't know and where she doesn't speak the language. She left her daughter because she was promised work in a hotel, but now she's here, it's not clear where the job is. They've still got her passport, and after the harrowing journey she's been through, she doesn't understand what's going on. In the house there are dozens of other Ukrainians. Among them is a familiar face, Daniela one of the women she was in the back of the car with when they left Ukraine. Again, they are told to wait. We have one old man in the house, and he like being manager in the house. He say, you know, you have to pay for you live here. I sleep into the floor, but uh, <laughs> I pay money. <laughs> it's no matter. How much was he charging you to be there? Is this being like first is starting like I don't remember one hundred forty pounds or something then growing. She sits in the house day after day, waiting to find out about the job she's been promised. Every day her debt steadily grows. 
Eventually, a man arrives and tells her to stand against a wall while he takes her photo. He returns with fake documents and a national insurance number. Shortly after, Julia and Daniela are told they need to start work. They're sent to a hotel in West London. Every morning, Julia wakes up at the crack of dawn and makes her way across the sleeping city. We have 25-30 bedrooms every day. And room half can have one double or one double, two single or one double or one king size, one single and cleaning toilet and hoovering everything and dusting. You you back home so tired. So was the hotel really fancy? Hotel nice. The work is hard, but made worse by the Ukrainian manager, a harsh woman who relentlessly criticises their work. She everywhere and she screaming. Jesus, it's been horrible. The only thing keeping Julia going is the thought of being paid and being able to send money back to Marta. After two weeks of back-breaking work, she gets her wages. But when she counts the money, she can't believe it. They pay just ninety pounds, and I start crying. I say, I can stay here. Ninety pounds for two weeks' work. Julia is distraught and furious. After work, she helps Daniela with her final rooms, and they go to get the train together. She tells Daniela they've been ripped off. And I say, I don't stay here. And she say, oh, you think you're so smart? You think you can find a job here without documents? Suddenly, everything becomes clear. Julia realises that the woman from the hotel is working with the gang that brought her to the UK. She's receiving a cut. And then I have to start understanding, is this everything, everything lie, big lie? And this is woman, she been together with these people that bring us UK. So you realise it was uh, like a tr- you've been tricked? Yes. This is what happened. The big lie, the trap that Julia has fallen into, is a well-oiled business model for gangs like this. Once they've lured people to the UK, their victims find themselves totally at their mercy, without legal status, a passport, money, or a way home. The gang controls where they live, how much rent they pay, where they work, and dictate the amount of debt they owe. Determined not to go back to the hotel, over the following weeks, Julia frantically looks for another job. She gets work in a hotel in South London, part of a big, well-known hotel chain. She's paid per room. £1.50 to clean a guest room. £2.50 after they've checked out. I work in every day, all months, without any day off, and I have £680 something, something like that. And were you still living in the same house? Yes. You still owing money for sleeping? Yes, for sleeping, for flood and... For debt, when I've been, you can't say I have to pay back two and a half thousand. But after, when I don't have everything, four and a half thousand pounds. So they said you owed four and a half thousand pounds at this yes. point? Yes. How are you sort of feeling knowing that the debt is just an un- unimaginable level at that point? How you can be feeling? I call my mom, my mom telling me, 
you didn't send the money, you didn't care about your daughter. She even cannot imagine what what's going on and what happened. But I think she need to buy medication for her. She need to buy for daughter. Did, do you think she don't want to eat? Did the time like that you just want to kill yourself? You sleeping in the floor, ill, not medication, temperature. I sleeping in the floor. They giving me like uh, airbag, but back was without air. Back was broken. The kid, you know how it's called. It's an airbag, yeah. And we have as well. Um, this is what bite and take your blood. Bed bugs. Yes. This has been, oh, this has been crazy. It, ter- it just sounds terrible. So yeah, sorry. it's been terrible. And you don't know how to get home? How I can get yeah. home, where I can go without English, without anything. Julia wants to confront the gang about tricking her into coming to the UK but is told that someone else did that and was beaten up. She tries to get other jobs, but is told that her documents are fake and refused. I just have probably four or five pounds left in my pocket. Not any food, not any anything. I just buy package cake and I have for three days package cakes. Very, uh, very dry cake from is this... Any shop, just one pound. You, how you can supposed to live? You don't have any penny. Five pounds left in your pocket. What are you going to do? Her options have run out. She needs to get money for her daughter. But she can't stay here. She knows they won't just let her go. She still owes them thousands of pounds. So the next night, she waits for the man who runs the house to leave, as he normally does. But he decides to stay overnight. Just look into the watch at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and I wait, and when he gone, he didn't. And he stayed sleeping in the house. I think he knew I want to run away. <laughs> I think he knew I want to run away. Eventually, she spots a chance and makes her move. She sneaks out of the house and into the night. Coming up on Trafficked. He told me he gave me the job, why I don't want to work in, this is now my problem. She, in a coffee shop, wanted to map out the whole organised crime group. And how much of the money do you keep from the clients? <laughs> I didn't, like, they give me, like, half money. Are we going to find you on the CCTV at that time? No comments. Our thanks to Justice and Care for putting us in touch with Julia and supporting her through the production of this podcast, especially Sarah and Jamie, and to Surrey Police for allowing us access to their investigation. In order to protect identity, names in this series have been changed and Julia's voice has been altered. Suspected cases of modern slavery can be reported to the National Modern Slavery Helpline on 08000-121-700. If you're struggling with your mental health or having suicidal thoughts, please know that help is available. You can contact Samaritans any time of the day for free on 116 123 
or email joe at samaritans.org. This series is reported and produced by me, Annie Kelly, and Elizabeth Casson. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Joshua Kelly. The commissioning editor is Nicole Jackson. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.